Welcome to Art Nature Science on the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, the podcast that tells the story of the mountain's natural wonder through art making and exploring the creative spirit and celebrates the history and heritage of this magnificent world heritage area. My name's Michelle Walker, and I'm joined today by Steve Noakes. He's the chair of Binnaburra Lodge, carrying on the traditions of the spirit of Binnaburra from the early 1930s which have made this a special place inside Lamington National Park for generations of families and individuals over almost 100 years. In the recovery process since the devastation of the 2019 bushfires, he's been described as the glue that holds the whole social enterprise together. I'm delighted to welcome you, Steve. How are you today? Fantastic, Michelle. It's one of these stunning sunny days at the Lamington National Park, and it's almost just like the the advertising. It is a beautiful place. So just tell us a bit about Binnaburra from your perspective. I'd love to hear your words. Uh, Binnaburra is sort of etched in the minds of many people around Australia and around the world for for many reasons. And it it often intrigues me as to why. But, you know, basically we're a campground and we've got some accommodation at the end of a road inside a national park here in southeast Queensland. But the stories of people associated with this place across generations over almost 100 years uh, is very deep in families in southeast Queensland, the northern rivers of New South Wales, and further afield also. And that really came to the fore when we had the bushfires in 2019, with, where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people reached out on social media shared their stories of their families at this place. So the very deep emotional connection that generations over 100 odd years have had with this pretty special little place inside the Lamington National Park. And I I, I could think of 12 while you're talking of my special memories. One was being at the campground at Easter time, which was very cold, and jumping on the truck to go down to Beachmont to get the cans of fresh milk from the dairy that we would then distribute to all the campers and we'd bang on saucepans and they'd come out with their saucepans and get their half litre yeah, right. <laughs> I Tell me something that you're passionate about in your work at Binnaburra because you've got a very key role. Well, I guess my motivation is all the storytelling. You know, I get, I mean, before the bushfires and after the bushfires more so, uh, and even now today, almost two and a half, three years later, um, I get an enormous amount of mail and, and stories of people and their connections to this place. And, you know, it's from great-grandparents and grandparents and, and parents and their kids and their grandkids, and it's not uncommon for four or five generations to come up and tell me their story and their connection with Binnaburra. So I feel a very big responsibility that we have, the, our, the current group of custodians, to ensure that the history and the heritage is documented because we lost a lot in the bushfires. And so now we need to re, recapture that and, and also start a new, a new era of history making at Binnaburra. But and nowadays, of course, we can do it in a digital form. So if a bushfire comes, we can access it online. You know, Binnaburra, I guess, has had two starting points in the early 1930s at the beginning, and then we were closed for a year after bushfires. And so there's a post-bushfire history now too. So we've got a bit of a responsibility, you know, if we jump ahead 100 years when this sort of conversation is going on with 
a whole bunch of new people who never knew us, they can do what we're doing, is reflecting back 90, 100 years, and they can understand better about this rather tragic event that happened right across Australia in 2019, 2020 with the Black Summer bushfires. So we're at the front end of the Black Summer bushfires in Australia, but they are a very significant uh, event in Australian history for the devastation in, in increasing the public awareness of the impacts of climate change also. So I'm very aware that you know, we've got a, our little time in the sunshine of a long history, you know. When, when Binnaburra burned down the, in the, on the media came, I used to reflect on the, the business had been 86 years old. And I used to say, it's a 172-year story of Binnaburra. The first 86 years had just finished. And then we're halfway through a journey of 172 years. And so, you know, we do think long term, but, you know, 172 years is nothing compared to the hundreds of millions of years that these Gondwanda rainforests have been here. So we're just a speck in time and we've got a very big responsibility to, to care for the space that we have here at the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, but also to give access and services to people so that they can get here to explore the Lemington National Park and enjoy this spirit, what we call the spirit of Binnaburra, which is very deep in the minds. Hard to explain, but very deep in the emotions of so many people. Mm, I get that. And because you're at the forefront, I understand that other communities and other businesses are looking to Binnaburra and what you're doing with your recovery process. Is that correct? Oh, I, I guess so. They're welcome to if they wish to. Um, but, you know, we're just on our own path. And the focus has been on, you know, stuff being solvent and getting the resources in to fix all the infrastructure, the water, the power, the series, the, the buildings, the built infrastructure that survived the bushfires and then make a business model that was viable. We're close to getting there now. So very much a focus on the, the, what I call the hard infrastructure. Um, and then the last six months or so, well, I've shifted focus for my role in, as leader of the organisation into what I call the soft infrastructure all those things that make up the spirit of Binnaburra. And that's a sort of a segue into this initiative we call the Arts, Nature and Science Initiative. And that's a fantastic initiative that's starting this year. Would you like to just tell me a bit more about what's in your mind when you came up with that idea or your group did with the help of Renata? Well, the origins of Binnaburra actually go back to about 1885 with the formation of what is now known as the Royal Geographical Society of Queensland. And they were the people in this colony that wanted to know more about the science of, uh, of the landscape and the biodiversity. And in, 19, in the 1890s, one president was a guy called Robert Collins, and he was a local guy in a place called Tamrukan, which is in the scenic room. And he had a vision to protect the McPherson Ranges from constant logging and development. And he advocated very strongly for this area to be declared a national park, which was a new concept in the world with Yellowstone. Very new. Yeah, it was only um, the 150-year anniversary of Yellowstone, the world's first national park this year. Anyway, Robert Collins passed away in 1913, two years before Lamington was declared a national park. But he handed the baton across to another young fella called Romeo Lay. And Romeo, with his colleagues, did a brilliant job to finally, in 1915, get Lamington Gazetted as a national park. 
But his colleagues were people of science. Romeo had go to, went to Sydney Uni because there was no place he could study engineering, University of Queensland, and Queensland only started in 1911. But between that phase before the First World War and up until 1930, when Romeo Lay and his mate Arthur Groom founded the National Parks Association of Queensland, the University of Queensland was developing and the emerging science community was coming to the McPherson Ranges and Lamington National Park a lot. So in 1930, the people closely associated with the University of Queensland and science and the arts were the people who founded the National Parks Association of Queensland, which is uh, one of Australia's oldest conservation bodies. And then three years later, 97 members of that association were the founding partners or shareholders in Binnaburra. So Binnaburra grew out of the National Parks Association of Queensland under the leadership of Romeo Lay and Arthur Groom. But on that first board, and for many decades since, people with a research scientific background have been very closely associated with Binnaburra. The first camp that was held here in December 1933, the first group was from the University of Queensland. So there's been a long, long history of science-related engagement and learning and education and teaching uh, about nature at Binnaburra since its origins in the DNA. But at the same time that Romeo Lay was being the superstar conservationist, his sister Vida was also a very highly recognised artist and she used to come here and do, uh, do art classes in the 1930s before the Second World War. And, and many generations of artists have been involved in workshops and all forms of creative arts at Binnaburra ever since. And, of course, the bushfire in, in 2019 put a stop to all that and we had to have a focus on our you know, financial resources and the built infrastructure for two years since the fire. But now's the time for us to get, um, you know, to use programs like the Art, Nature and Science program to create, as I said before, to reinforce that spirit of Binnaburra. But also it makes good business sense. It's also a perfect fit with the DNA of Binnaburra. It so is. And Renata Buziak is your artist in residence and she's been helping you out with the design of the program, I understand. Tell us about her involvement and how you see her fitting with the, the Binnaburra program and DNA of Binnaburra. Well, I've been thinking about how we bring back those sorts of creative uh, art and nature uh, activities at Binnaburra. And after the bushfire, before we opened, we had a product which was evolving called Science Matters at Binnaburra. And then we had a number of universities that wanted to assist us post the bushfire. And to coordinate that, I thought, like they did back in the early 30s, let's get the biggest university around to be a sort of a strategic partner and help coordinate this wonderful interest from about a dozen universities. And Griffith University nowadays is the biggest player in our patch. So I had a chat with the vice chancellor and said, we're a little tiny business at the end of the road in a national park and you're a great big billion dollar enterprise. How about we do an MOU and we help each other? And she said, okay. <laughs> and then Fantastic. it sort of went from there. And that relationship has become deeper and broader since in the last year or so. And because of that, I was on a mailing list for a newsletter. And in there was a story about this PhD graduate who'd done some incredible work with a concept called biochrome 
integrating her photographic skills with um, nature, using nature in photography. And I thought, gee, that looks great. So I just read the article and tracked down a phone number and rang her and said, hi, I'm Steve, and um, I love what you do. Let's have a chat. Anyway, long story short, it ended up, uh, Renata um, very kindly accepted an invitation to become our inaugural artist in residence for 12 months at Binnabar. And then running parallel to that, she has a huge amount of energy and she's so far organised about 30 arts, nature and science events over the next 12 months with all sorts of interesting people, including you, Michelle. <laughs> and so she's been a powerhouse getting us really back into the, particularly the arts community. Uh, and that's important for Benabara, given I mentioned Vita Lay, but there are others of equal stature in the Australian and Queensland art scene who have been associated with Benabara in the last 90 odd years. And we want more of that in the next 90 years. Yes. And so Renata's helping us lay the foundations for that, which is fantastic. Yeah. So how do you see this rolling out? So we've got these 30 odd events this year. And so it really has hit the ground running, hasn't it? It's been a fantastic start. And what do you see coming after this? And what's your hopes and dreams for this program, Steve, and and the support of Binnaburra? Binnaburra exists because of the Lamington National Park. And the Lamington National Park is a national park within a, you know, a globally recognised World Heritage Area because there's something special here. For people who have not just a desire to go bushwalking, and that, although that's great for many people, and I'm one of them, um, but just to connect with nature and to appreciate it and learn to protect it, and, and, but also to bring other new generations in. But to have experiences here too. It's, it's a great place just to get together with people and share your common interests. So just last weekend, we had one of Renata's wonderful classes in our little pottery shed. Uh, and it was just great to see such a diverse group of people come together and learn about a new form of art that Renata was running. But the week before that, we had our local artist, David Groom. He's one of Australia's mm-hmm. best-known landscape artists, ran a three-day uh, workshop. And, you know, it's not easy to get a guy like David Groom to run a workshop. And the first one he'd done for about four years. But, you know, the re- I had a tear in my eye when I walked out of the pottery shed because this was a pottery shed built for his grandmother to do pottery classes. And just to see Marjorie's grandson in there and people doing what his mum, his grandmother would have done in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. And, you know, Marjorie was here in the 1930s. She sadly passed away uh, 20-odd years plus years ago. But just to see those connections of families and creativity going, and people learning something new for their lives, you know. And it's all age groups. It's from it's school holidays now, so we have school kids as well as grandma and grandpa here. So it's just great. And grandma and grandpa are sharing their stories about their experiences in bar in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And their kids who are in their 50s and 60s are telling their stories. And then their kids are in their 20s and 30s and telling their stories. And then the little kids are making new stories. And, and the little kids are still rolling down the grassy hill in front of Groom's Cottage and having a great time, just like mum and dad did and granddad did and even great grand did in some cases. So you know, I love seeing that's, that happening, that connection with families here at Binnaburra. Just fantastic. It is. I loved your intro to say it's just a, a little campground and an accommodation place at the end of a road in, in a national park because I've never heard Binnabara described like that. And that's not how it sits in my heart. So I know that there's lots of people out there 
that know Binabara and know that when you reduce it, it's so much more than just that. And that's what we're talking about. And that's what you're tapping into with this program, with the whole rebuild of Binabara and the continuity of the story. I love this. Is there any other stories that you want to share before we finish our interview today, Steve? Oh, look, I just think that Binabara is inside Lamington National Park, and that's unusual and that's historical because when you, when it was first started back in the 1930s, it was adjacent to the National Park and then uh, various farms were purchased and became part of the National Park estate. So Binabara ended up being a private piece of land. It's like a big social enterprise. We've got well over 1,200 individuals and families who are the owners of the business. Um, but, you know, I'm very excited about the future of Binabara. We've got some, some commercial and confidence things going on currently, but we'll be making some announcements in the next few months, which will be really good for the current and future generations of visitors for a whole range of experiences. And, you know, we've got a really exciting future ahead, and it's important that we do it for places like this so that it's not just Binabara and Lamington National Park that people can appreciate, but they get to appreciate all the protected areas in Queensland and New South Wales and around Australia and around the world. Um, it's so important that we, every country increases not only the, the size of their protected areas, but also the resources that are put into the good management of those resources. And that's vital for the planet. So we're just a little tiny part of that picture in the, in the big scheme of things, but you know, we're pretty strong advocates for doing things that make the planet a better place when we're all no longer here. You definitely are. And I'm also very excited for the future of Binabara and what's happening, what you're proposing to roll out beyond this coming year. But we do have a lot of exciting events, as you said, planned for 2022. So if you're listening and you would like to find out more about what Steve and Renata and the whole team are proposing you can jump on the Binabara website and see the workshops and the talks and the experiences that you can have, whether you haven't been to Binabara for a long time and you want to reconnect, or it might be your first time to come visit. I really encourage you to do that. Well, thank you, Steve. Lovely to talk and hear your stories. And I can see you're a raconteur of great standing. I look forward to catching up with you in the future. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for the opportunity to do the podcast with you. My second guest for this episode is Dr. Renata Buziak. She's Binabara's first artist-in-residence. Using her innovative biochrome technique, her work creates a new representation and interpretation of this unique environment. Renata is also the Art Nature Science Program Leader. The program is bringing creative, educational and exploratory events back to Binabara. The goal is to enable new generations of visitors to connect in creative ways with the incredible nature that's found in the World Heritage listed Gondwana Rainforests of Australia. Renata, you're this year's artist in residence at Binabara because of your biochrome art. Can you tell our listeners at what a biochrome art is and how it connects with Binabara's natural landscapes? So the, the first answer to your question, Michelle, is that Biochromes are images that I create uh, using process I developed. The biochrome process involves fusing organic and photographic materials over an extended period and also art science research. And the second answer to your question is that 
this process is a collaboration uh, with nature that helps people to connect with the natural environment. And at Binabara, I focus on local native plants. And th this gives me an amazing opportunity to work, for example, with the Gondwanan lineage plants. So tell us some more about the events that are coming up for the Art Nature Science program at Binabara. Through this program, we want to enable visitors to connect in creative ways with nature, while also learning at and reconnecting with the, to the thousands of years of history of the Yagambeya language groups country. We have many diverse art and science events from, for example, a presentation on Gondwana rainforests to walks and workshops that focus on ecology, photography, painting, listening, meditating, as well as performances, creative writing and poetry, all inspired by the natural local environment. Other examples are for eco-dying and professional development, as well as a local artist exhibition. So these events present different ways for connecting with nature by either participating in walks and listening activities or by creating a piece of art. And the participants can take away a new way of looking at this beautiful environment, learn about it, and embrace nature of Binabara and the surrounding Lamington National Park. So if I'm listening to this podcast, Renata, and I'm keen to know more and get involved, what would you suggest I would do? Well, there are several ways that the listeners can get involved. Firstly, listen to the Binabara podcast and get involved in a conversation about art and science and the development of this new program that will help shape the cultural development of our community. Secondly, uh, visit Binabara, enjoy rainforest walks uh, and join one of the upcoming events. The events are listed on the Binabara website under the Art Nature Science program. Thirdly, become a volunteer. This program is actually run by a team of volunteers, including you, Michelle, as a podcast host, and me as a program leader. We have several positions available for season two and three, such as graphic design and blogging and marketing, writing for a publication, as well as a position for the 2023 program leader, which is my current position. And visit, like, and engage with Binabara's social media because we post everything, all this news on Facebook and Instagram. That includes subscribing and rating and liking this podcast. So yes, listening is great, but we'd also love to have a bit more um, feedback from you if you're listening. Is there anything else that you'd like to add at this sort of introductory phase of the program, just letting people know anything else that's important, Renata? So I'd like to say that I am truly, truly honoured to be the first artist in residence at Binabara in legacy of Vaidalei. And also that this is a new program and it is a foundation for many years to come. We are open to suggestions and discussions on how to shape and develop this program. So please get in touch with us. And where can listeners connect with your art, Renata? Where's your go-to social platforms and how else can they get in touch with what you're doing? So the listeners can connect with my art through my website, renatabujak.com, and arrange a visit, for example, in my studio in Brisbane. Uh, my work is also currently displayed at Binabara Reception and the Tea House, and several places in Brisbane, which I can uh, make that available on request. 
and join my upcoming workshops and exhibitions. I always list them on my website. And also you can subscribe to my occasional emails. And of course, as with Pinabara, um, I also invite listeners to follow me on Instagram and Facebook to get all the uh, upcoming news and snapshots from uh, work in progress. Beautiful. And for everyone listening, we'll have all the appropriate links the Binnaburra website, Renata's website, her social media, all of that will be in the show notes. So if you're interested in just being able to click and copy and drop it into your browser, we will make that as easy as possible. Well, thank you, Renata, for joining me in this first episode. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you so much, Michelle. The producers and artists of this podcast acknowledge the traditional owners of the Binnaburra area and Lamington National Park, the Yugambeh Language Group. We also thank Catherine Slingsby for the podcast theme music, an excerpt from her piece, Sweet Dream.